Hey, Akko. Hey, Marcy. So, I know, I know that we usually we are always like, hey, girl, announcement. And um, might as well just make it official at this point because we got announcements up in this up in this <laughs> podcast. So, well, maybe the listeners like it. Maybe they're like, oh, actually, I didn't know that they were going on other people's podcasts and talking to them about books. We are. That's the thing. That's definitely the thing we've been doing. And this week is no different. So recently, we had the pleasure of talking to the host, Allie, from SSR Podcast, which is a podcast where she talks typically about like books that, you know, like kind of like throwback, like literary mm-hmm. throwbacks, like books, you know, we read in like elementary, middle school, high school, stuff like that. Um, and so we recently were on her show and we talked about a book called Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan, which is actually really good mm-hmm. i never read it when i was younger but i read it to like you know for the show and that shit slaps it's a great book yeah it was my choice i read it as a kid and i thought hey this is actually a really great book and ali was really interested in reading it too and we had a great conversation i thought it was fun um deep at parts lighthearted at parts you know the typical cpbp cpbc Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the fuck our acronym is. Yeah, whatever. There we go. <laughs> yes. Very much given that. Um, and yes, and also too, like, yeah, Allie's really, really dope. Like, her podcast is, like, so great. And so, yeah, so definitely check out that episode. It just and came her out. other episodes, um, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But, uh, but yes, just wanted to make sure y'all knew about that. Um, and hopefully, you know, some of y'all read Esperanza Rising as kids as well. So, you, you know, you can kind of, like, listen to some more adult thoughts about, about mm-hmm. the literature. And also, that shit aged hella well, let me tell you. My God. Read it in 2020, and I was like, wow, this... Uh, yeah, this tracks. This 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 tracks. Mm. But yes. Anyway, so just wanted to make sure y'all knew about that. Now, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds. Woo! Colorful backgrounds. Yes. Hey! And <laughs> today we will be continuing our read of the magical queer realism YA novel When the Moon Was Ours by Anna Marie McClaymore. Yes. Very exciting. But uh, so, so exciting. Oh, real quick, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> um one this book is everything can't wait to talk about it but also y'all when i tell y'all i slept for literally literally three hours last night so we gonna see what the fuck happens we're gonna see if i have full sentences we're gonna see if i make complete <laughs> thoughts like subjects and verbs will they agree who knows stay tuned and find out <laughs> um so yeah so apologies in advance for any like utter nonsense that takes place but uh but yes here we are <laughs> Colorful and nonsensical. Come on. Um, Speaking of nonsensical and transitions (laughs) and all other things, I have... (laughs) I... (laughs) What do you have, Akko? I have a question, Marcy. uh, Yes, you do. Yes, you do. What is your question? So, this story discusses a coming of age, Mm -hmm. which makes sense because it is a YA novel, and that is generally the case. Like Umbran. Yeah, I'm brand. It's true. Um, <laughs> no one was surprised. Everyone was like, "What's your YA novel about?" Well, it's really a coming of age. <laughs> I, I bet it was. It's like hot take. It's just like it's like a coming of age. Right? It's like okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one was surprised. But anyway, in it, Samir, 
at, mm-hmm. comes of age and he's coming into himself and sort of a becoming moment mm-hmm. and it made me think that you know there are multiple moments of becoming in our lives and and even in our childhoods and mm-hmm. it made me want to ask what was a moment of becoming in your life hmm <laughs> i really like this question i Okay, so I'm trying to think of something that, like, I haven't said on the show before. Like, not to be mm-hmm. like, you know, we're just, but, like, y'all, we got some episodes to us. Like, like we're almost at 50. Wait, is this our 50th episode? No, it's not. It, uh, actually, it, it might be. be. It low-key it might, might be. be. Anyway, we're if we're, if we're not <laughs> at 50, we're, cl- we're literally adjacent to 50. So, mm. y'all, we... we Sometimes these questions, I'd be forgetting what I'd be saying. Like I, like I feel like I'd be forgetting some of the podcast. So I apologize if I've already mentioned this before, but I don't think I have. So I'll just, I'll just talk about it. So, a okay. So I guess to to put this in context. So growing up, I was, I was very much someone who. I was kind of shy, like a bit more on the quiet side. I was very much one of those people where my mom is actually just like this as well. Where it's like, you know. Once you get to know me, lit. Once you get to know me, mm-hmm. sickening. But like getting to that process, like I, you know, it was kind of like, I was like, oh girl, like, can I trust you? What's up? Like, it, it took me a while mm-hmm. to kind of like warm up to people. And that was pretty much the case until I would say like in high school that started to kind of dissolve a little bit, but like it really didn't just like go away, go away until I would say like end of my sophomore year in high school because um, at the time, so there was this YouTuber named... Um, shout out to the real ones. If, y- if y'all know who I'm talking about, like let <laughs> let it literally let a bitch know because I'm like I feel like I'm the only one in my life who's ever mentioned this person ever. Mm. Um, so there was a YouTuber named Davy Wavy, and he was this like cis white gay man who at the time was probably in his like maybe younger 20s maybe like around like yeah like 24 or so mm-hmm. and he made a lot of content just over like he had both a YouTube channel but also a blog called Break the Illusion where he would talk about um like you know things like coming out and like kind of coming to accept yourself and things like that but also just like I had like sort of like a spiritual tint as well where he would talk about like radical oh. self-love and mindfulness and just like present moment awareness and just like really like 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 gratitude and all these different things and I used to follow when I tell you I followed that shit religiously <laughs> when I tell you that motherfucker would release shit every day at like 4 p.m. I would like the moment I would get home from school and shit I'd be like okay look what was Davey Wavy talking about and I would just like read his shit and just like weep and just be like oh this is so beautiful like I would like print like articles out that like I really liked like it was just I was very very involved in his like I guess like you know his mindfulness related content and in a lot of ways that really encouraged me to sort of like create like like be i guess a bit more intentional about my relationship with with myself like before this point like i never like journaled or meditated or did anything like that i kind of just was like just you know going about my life whatever whatever um but yeah but like coming across this content especially that summer after my sophomore year i really yeah like i started journaling i started meditating i started to really just like be intentional with like self-talk i mean i didn't have all these words then but like i would be mm. very clear with like like if i had a thought about myself that i didn't like i'd be like hey that's you know, like hey girl relax the fuck don't be don't be don't bitch right. don't be don't talking crazy me. about marcy the fuck <laughs> have you lost her like mm, we're not doing that no we're not i mean i can acknowledge where this comes from i, I acknowledge this comes from a place and th- that's we, we can acknowledge that that's real, but we're moving away from that. And it was very mm. much like this move towards just like having a really comfortable internal environment, a really comfortable self-environment. And I noticed that sort of naturally as I kind of went through this, I just became more confident, more comfortable in my own skin, which made it just a lot easier to just be around people. I felt like I didn't, 
you know, I, I like I, I think before I, you know, would really fall into caring a lot about like what other people thought about me and things like that. And like once I really sort of like cemented that place within myself, like I it, like social interactions and just being in the world, just existing mm-hmm. in general, just was easier. And it like I yeah, just kind of like moved into sort of more in the direction of who I am today. Like I really look back at that moment and I'm like, I feel like that was the moment where I really sort of saw, saw like the early like the kind of like the like the like the germination of like who mm. I would then become. Not to say that who I was before that is somehow not who I am now, but like I think the current manifestation of how I show up in space, you could sort of track that back to that moment in time. Um and it was it literally felt like a shift. Like it felt like I remember oh. people being like, well one in myself, I like I just woke up like after a while I was like, girl, I just feel different. I just feel different in like a good way. And people would be like, Yeah, girl, like you seem like like bitch, are you like bitch, are you like like lit and i'm like um i I might i might be girl like i don't know (laughs) just like it was actually wild um so yeah i don't know i feel like that was like a really really huge moment of of um yeah just like self-discovery self-actualization in my life and i feel like that really informed even now like how i approach like you know self-reflection and and stuff like that so yeah, girl, David Wavy, if for some reason you were listening to this fucking podcast, you did oh. that shit, bitch. Like, thank you, girl. Like, because you're really out here <laughs> empowering the girls. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. What about you, yeah. Akko? Oh, I, I really like that story. One, I think it's just a reminder that if, you know, people are like, oh, I want to change the world and I want to change things, you know, it, it's the little things. Like, I'm sure, mm. well, maybe Davey Wavy knew, but perhaps he did not know you know, that he would affect people's lives. So, you know, just know that everything you do affects people's lives for better or for worse. So that's true. And on the internet, Mm. that shit, yeah, it's kind of forever. And that shit do be affecting you. You know, just keep that in mind. And then, and also, you know, um, when you're a teenager, teenager, you're quite vulnerable to influences. So definitely it's, um, Yeah. Be careful, because some influences are good, like Marcy's experience, and some are not good. And so, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, but, but, um, it's a beautiful story, Marcy. I really like it. Um, Thank you. I was going to say that, also, I feel like one time I was, like, in your apartment, and you had, like, a Wallace Emerson Thoreau on you, like, you had highlighted people. I was like, <laughs> like, real poetic as a teenager, <laughs> like... You're like, oh, that was just from high school. That was like, first of all, we would have been the best of friends because I also Yo. was like, transcendentalism. Wallace oh Emerson my, Thoreau. yes. <laughs> like, Literally um, was reading Ralph Waldo Emerson in yes, high school. Yes, like, yes, not an yeah. assignment, like just sought it out on my For, own accord. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Damn. But it was TBT. Yeah, that shit was, I literally low-key be looking at that essay now and be like, damn, bitch. Like, I literally look at previous me and like as a teenager and I'm like, damn, I was like, <laughs> okay like i was on one like for real like yeah huh shit well well that's and so so for my story um because i have a thought about this because i do think childhood and teenage dumb and becoming are quite influential for the rest of your life and mm-hmm. so senior year of high school i decided to cut off all my hair so before that i had relaxed hair it was straight mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's been a while, so I don't know if kids are the landscape of the early 2000s uh, and the way black hair was portrayed in the media. Oh, like, it, or even just in, in life and the resources we had. But natural hair was not a thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, it wasn't. It was not. Um, and the standard of beauty was sort of relaxed hair. And, that was, and there was just this sort of 
almost, I guess, like pursuit of of good hair. Um, mm. And that's this is so I I this is not people just have their hair like straight because they like it that way, and this is that's perfectly fine. Like this has nothing to do with that. It was for right. me personally. I know I was doing it to fit a beauty standard, and I know I was doing it because I thought that's what you had to do because I personally cared very little about appearances or <laughs> really mm-hmm. anything i was like emo kid who doesn't care about anything who's contrarian and wants to read <laughs> emerson and thoreau and <laughs> take a walk and smell flowers <laughs> but um and watch anime but but love to see i <laughs> but i did you know that was the standard and um i lived in a quite a white town it was not very good (laughs) it's Mm. quite racist um but and there weren't there just weren't those those resources or those things to look at to figure out who you wanted to be and i decided at 17 i I, you know i had to ask myself okay why are you doing this you know why Mm. are you you don't like this hairstyle you go to the hairdresser they make comments about your hair and you Mm. seem to accept that this is the only way life can be and i had to ask myself i was like okay why is the hair that comes out of your head a bad thing who taught you that the hair that literally comes out of your skull (laughs) naturally with no effect is bad and you have to change it to be feminine and you Mm. have to change it to be of worth and value and and i had to ask myself how long are you going to do this like how long is this going to be your whole life where you accept someone else's standard for your femininity for your yourself for your value Mm -hmm. and for something you don't even like you don't even like your hair like it would be one thing if you liked your hair that way but you don't Mm. even like it um and i was like i don't want to and it kind of was like a culmination of other things too because it was kind of me again my town was like (laughs) there's trump now but my town was pretty pre-trump the issue um so so it, it was a culmination of me realizing that racial reality of the world and and rejecting it and not wanting to um sort of follow it and and be a part of it which was really hard in the early 2000s like yeah racism abounded like on the internet like like, everything and it was like it's so sweet funny or ironic there was just no like we are just it's not the same time that we are in now and so to fight that and to sort of overcome that i Mm -hmm. i remember i was 17 i was just standing in my bathroom with like a pair of kitty scissors and i like cut off all my relaxed hair Mm -hmm. and i just like it looked awful (laughs) it looked so bad but um but it was important because it was a moment of of choosing you know and it was Mm -hmm. choosing myself and the way i was going to be in the world and an acceptance of of who i am and even Mm -hmm. if that was in contradiction to the world you know i was choosing my life and and me um over the schema of society so yeah and i i really respect my 17 year old self i think she's really brave i think she's i think she's astounding like i think she's catalyzed us on a path that but for her decision to do something like that with very little, you know, with a lot of faith, like not a lot of no, like now I look yeah. back and I'm like, oh my God, of course <laughs> I can wear my hair natural however I want it. Mm-hmm. But at 17, that wasn't the messaging. And so for her to choose to do that with so little, you know, yeah, yeah it was just really, I think she's cool. I think she's dope. <laughs> I love that. No, so. that's real. That's like, that's especially in that kind of environment, like, you know, 
that social reinforcement, especially at that age, is like so important. And so to like, you know, be met with pushback and all of that and do it anyway and be like, well, <laughs> you're gonna have to get the fuck over it. Like that's that's like a level of just like audacity that I like I love like it's it's inspiring. And I feel like that's like to be able to make a choice like that and like come out on the other side in this way, I feel like that just yeah, it sets a precedent that like I mean, it's just going to inform literally everything else. Um Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I- wow. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I think I don't know. It's I think that childhood and like teenagehood I, I think we become all the time i i just think that like okay full disclosure like we recorded this before and like aka lost her track but um <laughs> when we were, i didn't want to say it i didn't want to say it oh Everyone's my god like, what? but um but we were talking about this before and and um it was just the idea that, you know, you become more than once. You become right. throughout your whole life. But I think what's really interesting about teenagehood and that becoming, or childhood, is that it's the mm-hmm. first time you have to do it, you know? Right. And that you don't have the wisdom that you have when you're older. So when you're older, mm. you have to make a, a, a choice to be... Like now, I think there's another becoming in your mid to late 20s, right? Where you have to decide who you are again. Yeah. And maybe you, everyone's like, that sounds like you just have to become every day. And yes, okay, that's true. But I do think that there are <laughs> points that are very significant. Um, anyway, but when you're 17 or 18, it's it feels like you just don't know what's going to happen. You know, you're just mm-hmm. kind of like making a choice and hoping. Um, yeah. And there's this like really cool song by Mariba where she says this line and she says, um, youth grants grace, growth grants grit and Mm. i think that's really true like along with that sort of that's why you're like teenagers so are so like cute you know and they're adorable and they're like their earnestness because they Mm -hmm. have that that grace of youth to become because they they literally just it's like you know what i mean like they just have to like yeah try and make it but when we're older i think we we hope for that same becoming, but the becoming is different now. Like I feel like the yeah. becoming now is the decision, the the choice, the 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 grit, the determination to continue to be who you are, um, mm. continuously, and if, and you know, and to make that decision every day. And yeah, I don't know to fight the uh, the the sedation of comfort. Oh my god, yeah, because I do think yeah. Marcy talked about this that it's easy to get comfortable. Yeah, it's just, yeah, once you get, I mean, if you have the privilege of sort of getting older and being more comfortable in your circumstances, it's like that, it it can be a lot harder to, to make these like very radical, like different decisions. Because I think in mm-hmm. my case, at least like, you know, coming to understand myself and, you know, my various identities, like, I think, you know, at the time it, it felt like I was like, okay, well, like, who I was as someone who, you know, was like more quiet and all of that. Like I came to understand that that was more a response to just like the environment that I was in, like, you know, just not mm. feeling congruent in in the place that I was with the people that were around me and not feeling like I really frankly existed because I just didn't really see sort of my ideas or like kind of, you know, myself like really reflected mm. in those around me, whether that be media, the community I was in, whatever. Um, and I think that like, in a situation like that, it was very easy to be like, oh, well, girl, fuck this. Literally, truly, fuck mm. this. Because it was like, and what's the alternative? Going back to this girl, bye. Like, I'll, like right. I'm going to just take the plunge and we'll just see what the fuck happens. But any, anything is better than this shit, girl. The fuck? Now, it's like, okay, uh, you know, 
like like in my cute like late twenties, like I like you know I have more of a you know like like that that support network that um you know that autonomy that ability to sort of just like manifest the life that I want to live is like more like I, I like I can do that in a way that I couldn't then, but it's like but there's still certain things where it's like, you know. Some some of the things that I do or like some behaviors, whatever, whatever, I'm like, this could be a bit more aligned or like, I feel like I kind of, you know, want to pivot in this way or whatever, whatever. And it's like, but ultimately, like, if you don't choose to do certain things instead, it's like, I mean, you'll probably be fine. I mean, you'll probably right. be fine. But it's like, do I want to live a life that's just like, yeah, like, it was fine. No, yeah, like, it was fine. You know, like, right. it's just like, I think it, it gets to a point where maybe the stakes aren't, they just aren't the same. Yes. It, like, it, it, like, they become a bit more. It's like either path you take, it's not it's not so clear cut, I guess. Or maybe just the way you frame yes. it isn't as clear cut. Because I think when you're younger, it's easy to be like, okay, this is like the best decision and this is like the worst decision. The dichotomy is very simple, or at least yeah. in my case. Now it feels more like, okay, you can make a choice or you can make another choice. It's really, mm. girl, it's really your choice. There's not really a good or bad ending. It's just an ending. It's just a choice. You just have to decide what your priorities are and what kind of person you're trying to be. And again, there's no wrong right. answer, but well, this is what I- you have to do. But it's so interesting because I feel like when you're younger, it's you're right. Like the stakes, the stakes are higher in the sense that like, um, I I don't know. There's something almost obvious about the becoming. Like there's an, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. Maybe it's because I chose one path that I I can't, I, I, it seems um, almost impossible for me to have chosen the other one. But there's, when you're younger, there's something the stakes are are more clear. You know, the becoming is more mm. clear. Whereas when you get a little older in your mid to late 20s, or I guess the rest of your life, I don't know, Marcy and I can't tell you what the rest of your life is like. We're only in our I mean, I've only been, 27 is the highest Sorry. I've gone. Yeah, <laughs> right. Just, I've <laughs> never been 39. I have no <laughs> right. fucking idea. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I think you can make a choice and become something without having to think about it, but it might not be someone you want to be. Ooh. Do you see what I'm saying? And you might get oh to like God. 40. I know this is terrifying. And this is, this is what, which is not as true at 17. You know what I mean? Yeah. You might, the choice might, but I feel like at 17, 18, 19, okay, okay you'll keep becoming, you know, you'll keep changing. But mm-hmm. that, that comfort is pernicious or dangerous in the sense that like you could lull yourself into a life that you don't hate, that you don't like. And then wake up like Rip Van Winkle style and be like, oh, no, that's actually not the person I wanted to become. But I was too afraid to be the person who I wanted to be. And that's why I think in a way making that you how do I say this? But to be brave or to make the choice you want to make is a practice. It's it's Mm. something you it's a habit that you get into. And so maybe and maybe that's what's beautiful about like childhood and teenage becoming because it gets you into the practice of becoming and and it's a practice you need for the rest of your life otherwise you might when it's easier you know when it's not as detrimental that you become you Mm -hmm. might not because it's just easier not to and that that's probably the tragedy of late late 20s i think if you that's the becoming and it's not you know what i mean it's not an obvious becoming but it that's what i mean about grit it's about an everyday choice to be who you want to be or to hold up the moral compass that you think is a value. Um, Whereas the world will be like, yeah, I mean, you could have that moral compass. Have you considered not having it? And you're like, yeah, okay, let me consider. Wait, no, don't. I'm not going to consider. Like, like, girl, are you fucking serious? Like you're actually like, like, what are you doing? Um. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's real. And that, Ooh, that, that idea of just like, realizing that you're becoming someone that you actually don't want to be oh my god it's yeah 
He's like, you got to catch yourself before that. <laughs> like, you go it's too deep because that shit will sneak up. It will sneak up yeah. on you. And you will literally wake up and be like, when did I become this person? My I, yeah. God. Um, and I think so. young, young <laughs> people are like way more, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like people are like, teen movies are always ex- exaggerated with the villains, but it, mm. it does feel that way when you're a teen. You know what I mean? But when yeah. you're older, like, this. <laughs> villains aren't so obvious that's why i say villains are for teenagers like villains aren't so obvious as adults you know and the right decision isn't as obvious but there are decisions that are better than others and i don't mean like career decisions or i mean like philosophy decisions i mean like um character decisions though there are right. character decisions that are better than others that the world will try to convince you in a lot of ways that no like you don't need to have a better character you just need to have more money <laughs> more money get in your bag and it's like that's our status like but that's not true anyway hoof hoof chow okay well do we want to like um transition into the (laughs) (laughs) subject not us lazily going into this transition (laughs) (laughs) yes let's (laughs) transition Okay, we could just. <laughs> wow, I'm literally dying. Uh, yeah, girl, we're gonna take a little break, and um, yeah, I guess we'll talk about uh, what, what are we, when the moon was ours. Uh, there yes, we go. literally two. forgot the name of the book. Okay, well, girl, we'll see on a bit. Um, <laughs> y'all be easy. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> back um yeah so i guess we, just, <laughs> we are in fact back. yes we are in fact back um yes indeed yes uh yes we are so yes okay so today we're gonna be talking about part two of when the moon was oz but for you know just to kind of put things in context um we'll just do like a super duper super duper 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 quick recap so Mainly, okay, so it's like, there's not like a lot, a lot going, well, okay, there, okay. It's a slice of life. It's like slice know. of life. That's yeah. that's the word I'm like, I'm not trying to say nothing happens because things do happen, but yes, it's a slice of life, so it's more so a character study rather than like a bunch of different plot points happening one after the other. Yes. So the main cast consists of the following. We got Sam, who is a young transgender Pakistani boy who is kind of just struggling with um, just general coming of age, but also kind of just understanding himself, like how he exists in the world, his gender, all these different things. He works, so... The town that they live in, um, no one knows that he's trans, um, except for his partner, Miel, who we'll talk about shortly. Um, and yeah, so Sam, he works on this farm that is owned by like the Bonner sisters, who we'll also talk about shortly. Um, and yeah, he and Miel are like a thing. They're like cute. It's like a vibe, whatever. So yeah. Miel is like a young Latina girl who grows roses like out of her wrists. Um Back in the day, like when Mia was like five, um, like they like found they actually yeah like they like found her in like a water tower. Um, they did. And since then, there was a woman in the town named Araceli who took who basically took Miel in and was like, mm-hmm. "Well, you just follow this water tower, so uh, I'm gonna take care <laughs> of you." And Miel, mind you, is being blackmailed by the Bonner sisters because the Bonner sisters think that the roses that Miel grows will help people to fall in love. 
And we'll With explain them. that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. After that, we got Araceli, who we just mentioned, um, who is, yeah, so a love sickness doctor that takes care of Miel. Um, however, plot twist, Araceli is actually Miel's sibling, taking care of Miel, but like Miel doesn't really know that they're, that they're related. She just thinks right. that Araceli is just like a, this random person just in town. <laughs> taking care right. Of her. And lastly, who just showed up. basically. And lastly, we got the Bonner sisters who are apparently the best thing since sliced bread. Like, literally, it's like these four <laughs> girls. Chloe, Peyton, Ivy, and... Claire. Ooh, what was that? Leon? Oh, yes. Is Leon a name? I think Leon, that's one. That, that's facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like four of them. And they all have, like, red hair, and they're, like, sickening, apparently. And, like, everyone loves them. Like, all the boys are, like, obsessed. Mm-hmm. And I guess they're, like, kind of experiencing this, like, fall of empire because, like, they used to be, like, super lit and, like, just be able yep. to, like... You know, like, like Literally, like, dudes were, like, in line. Like, oh, my God, we're in love with the Bonner sisters. But now they're kind of, you know, like... Well, the oldest sister got got pregnant and was sent out of town. And that was kind of the end, quote-unquote, of their reign. Um, Pretty much. And um, so now they're, like, basically blackmailing Miel. And they're like, girl, give us your fucking roses um, because we need to make these people fall in love with us. Mm-hmm. Or we are going to out Sam to, like, the entire town. So the Bonner sisters yes. are, like, not fun. Also, Miel did see Ivy with a boy who didn't fall head over heels for the Bonner yes. sisters. And this is an offense to the Bonners because no one can know that they've lost, pa- you know. Exactly. Because, um, you know, it's high stakes, but it's like, what are the stakes? And they're like, <laughs> social <laughs> reputation. And it's like, Okay, let's that's this. it. Interesting. Oh, you mean with these high school people that you um will yeah. likely not associate with that in the okay. future? That's a, okay, high stakes. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> so yes, Marcy, I feel like we had some predictions. We um, did from last time going into this. Yes. Would you like to start with yours? Ooh, yes. I mean, I can start with mine because mine were all just so aggressively incorrect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag. Um, okay. So the, the Bonner sister, I thought they were going to become less villainous. And there's a truth to that. Um, they've mm-hmm. definitely become more humanized. They have a, a becoming, if you will. The glass pumpkins will do something. I gave myself a lot of room with that Come one. On. And I was <laughs> still on, wrong. Do. And they well, well, and they did do something at the end. <laughs> you're right. So something did happen. I- <laughs> I'm dead. You know what? This is back. I feel like we mentioned this in the last ep- in a couple episodes ago. But I'm going to give myself half a point on my exam for that one. Come on, half a point. <laughs> we love to see it. Um, I said Sam and Miel will make up. They do. Good job, everyone. And I said, I feel like the roses will play a larger role in the story. That's not true. They played <laughs> the same role as they did at the beginning. So, sorry. Oh my <laughs> what gosh. about you, Marcy? <laughs> so, mine were... So, at the point where we stopped, re- where we stopped last week, um, Miel and Sam were kind of having a little bit of like a tiff. And so, I was like, oh, like they'll reach an understanding with one another, which does indeed happen. Um, mm. I predicted that Sam would essentially kind of come to his own and understand himself as a trans-masculine person, um, which... Yeah, he did. Uh, that that did happen. Um, I did think that he was going to be outed, which didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. And then lastly, I was like, oh, the Bonner sisters are going to fall from grace, or they're just going to get the fuck out, or just I, like otherwise, just leave these people the fuck alone. Which mm. I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts of what happened with, with the Bonner sisters, but we will talk. Oh, about really? It. Okay. But yes, we will because I just okay. Let's let's begin. <clears throat> marcy flips open book (laughs) like literally like licks finger turns page boom okay so so where we left off um sam had just jumped into the river in town and miel just saved him and so basically the so miel brings him back to the shore and 
they just kind of immediately get into this fight because mm-hmm. basically, well, one, Miel is pissed because she's like, Sam, why would you jump into the wall? Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. that's so dangerous. And like, what are you given doing? Given her history, that kind of makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. Because like, Miel also kind of back in the day was like, they found her. Yeah. Like, she was flowing down a river. It, it, it was all very tr- triggering and traumatic. And so basically, she was really upset mm-hmm. that Sam put himself in that situation. And I guess to Alexa, was going put her in that situation. Um, And so now, basically, so they have this whole back and forth where essentially... Both sides are just frustrated because mm-hmm. Sam feels like, you know, he's coming to understand himself as a person and in their relationship, he's always had, to, like, he feels like he's always trying to, like, show Miel who he is, but Miel's not really giving the same to him. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's very secretive about her past. She doesn't really talk about her talk about her past that much. Like, she's very kind of, like, evasive with certain topics. And so Sam feels like he can't really relate to her that like, he can't really like truly connect with her. Miel's frustrated because Sam being trans, like when it comes to just like navigating like sexuality and like how they interact with each other in that manner, it's there. Like Sam's boundaries are just, I guess not necessarily boundaries that Miel are like, are like she's not necessarily used to those types of boundaries. And so I think she feels like communication issue. Like the two of them just aren't communicating. Like Miel's like, I don't know what your boundaries are when it comes to physicality and space. And Sam's like, I don't know anything about you at all. (laughs) Right. (laughs) To be fair, it's like that last one seems a bit more overarching. Um, Right. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I think Miel just has a really hard time navigating his boundaries. And so I think she's just, she's, she, she wants to, feel more i guess in tune with him but yeah just mm-hmm. like you said communication they're just trying to figure it out they're also in high school so honestly the degree right. to which they do communicate i am uh, i mean with my big age i'm like look y'all y'all ain't bad like y'all, they're not like, terrible this can, yeah this can be mended this is not like some unsalvageable shit mm-hmm. okay so so basically the argument ends with sam like kind of dramatically being like well, Miel, right. I don't love you because you won't let me love you. And then Miel's like, <laughs> oh, my God. And it's like, then they, like, run off. And it's, like, wild. And so I, I guess Sam went home. Um, and so Miel, in a panic. So at this point, she's growing one of the uh, roses out of roses. her wrist. Mm. And she, like, runs to the river because it's, like, hurting her a lot. Because that's the thing. So the roses that Miel grows, like, kind of correspond with her emotions. And so... Mm-hmm. Like, a lot was going on, so, like, the rose was just growing, like, more quickly. Also, these roses have thorns and shit, girl. That shit sounds right. painful. Then I'm, oh, my God. Anyway, so she goes to the river and, like, releases the the flower into the river. Mind you, the Bonner sisters were like, hey, girl, any rose you ever have, ever, mm-hmm. if you ever throw them away, we got your ass. And so, of course, she does that. She's like, oh, my God, hopefully Ivy Bonner doesn't show up. And who else but none other than Ivy Bonner <laughs> rolls up. And I was like, oh, so he's gonna take my rose and just put it in the river. Ooh. And Miel's like, "It's really my rose." I mean, it's really mine because it grew out of my body. And she's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. but she's like, I'm, let me say that again. You're gonna put my rose in this river." <laughs> and she was like, "Yes." Um, <laughs> and what you gonna do? Ah. And then I was like, "Okay, okay, heard you." And basically takes Miel. And so early in the book, yeah, like she they like shoved Miel in this like stained glass coffin. Um. And it was awful and traumatic, and that's basically what happens next. Like, she's, Ivy takes her to the coffin, puts her in. Miel honestly doesn't really put up a fight. She just kind of is like, okay, like, I'm not, whatever. So, Ivy puts her in this coffin and walks away. Mind you, last time when she was in this coffin, not to say that this is better, but, like, other people were there. Mm-hmm. So, Miel was like, okay, at least they'll let me out eventually, I think. But this time, Ivy just put her in. No one else was there. And, and she just leaves. walked away. And Ivy just mm. went to school. And uh, Miel's just in this coffin until God only knows when. So... Naturally, extremely traumatic. Meanwhile, at school, um, Sam's in school and he's like, oh my God, me and Miel are like on the rocks, like fuck. 
And Ivy, weirdly enough, is like going to like all of Miel's classes and it's like, hey girl, just getting homework for Miel, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then like Sam feels insecure because like he's like, oh my God, like, are Miel and Ivy friends? Like, and I'm like, right. And he's like, maybe I never knew her at all. Like, maybe she is one of those, te- you know, exactly. she was friends with them the whole time. Right. And, and I'm like, like, Sam, you're doing a lot. Don't you hang out with Miel all the time? Like, exactly. And I'm like, who, child, if only you knew. I'm like, mm. Miel and Ivy, I'm like, to say that they're not friends doesn't even feel like it fully captured it. Like, right. they're a great, they're like the polar actual opposite of friends. Some might even say they're enemies. <laughs> Actually, indeed, you could say they're enemies. So, <laughs> so basically, so he's kind of like, okay, peeped it, cool, cool, cool. Meanwhile, at one point, um, I guess Sam is like going to like his next class, and like he overhears like some guy saying like some like really fucked up things about Miel. Mm-hmm. So Sam's like, you know what? Let me just throw these hands right quick. Let me get that ass together. And so he gets in trouble and I guess Sam and this other student have to go to the principal's office and in the school that they go to and really just this town that they live in is like white and racist and like awful. And so basically like the principal is just kind of like, Oh, well I'm just going to side with this person who said this like fucked up thing about Miel, And like, I'm just going to try to you know punish Sam for this. But luckily Peyton jumps in Peyton, one of the Bonner sisters jumps in because Sam has previously covered for her because she mm-hmm. is into like she like she dates girls and she's also two timing the girls. <laughs> she she kind of she's kind of shitty. Like she's like not the best of them. Um but basically Sam is like always coming for her and like not really let you know let that be known publicly because like again in this in this context, like people would be very critical of that. And so Peyton's like, I don't like I don't like having deaths to people, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. just jump in and try to like save Sam from the situation. The principal listens and is like, Okay, because of Peyton, Sam, I get I guess. We aren't, we're not going to suspend you. But you might want to go home. Right. You might want to go home. Just a suggestion. And Sam's like, I can read between lines. And so he called. So his mom <laughs> he is He also like opened up when the moon was ours. Like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the narrator said. <laughs> He's like, wait, actually on page 143. Like, it's like, it's like I, I can, can actually them. peep the subtext. Let me write the next part real quick. Let me call my mama. So he calls his mom. And she's like busy because she's like, I think she's like a, like a tutor slash like yeah, caretaker nanny. for a lot of the. Yeah. Like nanny's kind of like for kids in the town. So she's busy. So Sam just calls Araceli. Um, mind you, Araceli is Miel's caretaker slash sibling. Um, so yeah, so basically Araceli comes to school, picks Sam up, and they have this conversation where, so early in the book, they both establish to one another that they're trans. And so I guess there's just like this, there's this higher level of trust between the two. Mm-hmm. And so Sam talking to Araceli was like, hey, so, you know, I kind of want you to like, his words, not mine. I want you to fix me, basically. And Araceli's like, what do you mean? And he's like, girl you know you know what i mean and she's like i mean are you sure like i think in a lot of ways sam just sam just has a lot of questions around gender but also it, it's it's not just gender it's also like just his relationship with miel so he's like yeah maybe like if we if you do one of your like love sickness rituals i'll kind of just provide some clarity and maybe just for, remove sort of this attachment that i have to miel because like we're like it's we're struggling and you know xyz whatever yeah so it is Ar- ambiguous even araceli is like you are ambiguously asking me to do something and i'm not sure what it is because there's nothing wrong with you and exactly he, and then sam was like well maybe i just want miel and that feeling to go away and araceli is like i don't know if that is what you're asking me and that that won't fix your other conversation you need to have with yourself so basically so like she's like you can't you can't love sickness your way out of this and he's right. like well we can try and araceli is like <laughs> right. i mean i guess yes. <laughs> so they do the ritual um once uh, one, obviously once they get back to Araceli's house they do not do the ritual in Araceli's car um so they do it mm. in Araceli's like I guess spot 
And during this whole sequence, like Sam just really comes to realize like just how much he appreciates Miel. And like, even though their relationship is very particular, it's also one that he cherishes deeply. Mm-hmm. So he's like, you know what? I need to find Miel. We need to like kind of talk this out. It's going to be fine. Whatever. Stop and the ritual. Also... Stop the presses. Like, right. Stop the I presses. Go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also think there was a moment of like, he was like, you know, this lovesickness as a metaphor, like, oh, all of this is mine. Like all the, mm. the feelings I'm feeling, the way I am, who, who I am, that's, that's me. And I'm asking to like, you know, take out my heart in my emotions and myself and i exactly. you know but instead he's like i'm gonna keep those things and i'm like that's exactly. a good idea okay, yeah sorry. so at this point notes with akko yeah there's <laughs> 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 like a jingle um, <laughs> we gonna get a music budget y'all and we gonna right. like we gonna make like we gonna have transitions and shit like mm. it's gonna be cute as fuck anyway so Basically, so Sam comes to realize all of these things. Meanwhile, Miel is still in the coffin because Ivy Bonner is the atomic worst. (laughs) And while she's in this coffin, she basically has a bunch of different, like, just flashbacks from childhood where essentially we see in a flashback that Miel... Okay, so her mom had this really complicated relationship with her because Miel grew these roses and she saw it as, like, a bad omen. So she took to, like, people in the town that they lived in to, like, I guess cure Miel in whatever way uh, to stop the roses from growing. And so well, I guess one of the things was that they recommended, like just people in the town recommended that like she, I guess for lack of a better word, I'm not sure if it was an actual baptism, but like kind of baptizer in this river. Right. Um, and mind you, where they lived is like just further up. So like, it's not like they lived super far away. They were just like further up the river. Mm-hmm. And so Miel's mom is doing this to her. She's like holding her underground, like under underwater, this flowing stream of water, like for like a mad long. And so Miel is like kind of terrified and is like fighting back. Mm-hmm. And essentially, her mom loses her grip on her. So that's how Miel starts flowing down the river. And so that yeah. I, then at that point, Araceli jumped in, then Miel's mama jumped in. Mm-hmm. And we all know that, you know, Araceli and Miel survived, but their mom didn't. Did not, so yeah. that's how she died and so she's just having all these flashbacks she's like it's like a lot but luckily at this point sam i guess discovers her and it's like you know like takes her out of the coffin it's like who did this to you and like miel's just like really traumatized like she can't like she's just really shaken up like not really communicating which fair that's like a lot to go through so they the two of them sam and miel go back to sam's place and basically they just, they're just like okay let's just like make some cookies just relax just try to like you know just be in our bodies and just Hold space for one another. Have some cookies. Let's just have some cookies. They actually make alfajores, which are so good. They're like shortbread cookies with like this, um, with like dulce de leche. Like it's mad good. So they're making those. Um, and I don't know well, if it's just like well, the, the kneading <laughs> of the dough. Right, they start. Like, I don't know if it's like, <laughs> like kneading the dough or the like mixing shit, but like there's just hell, a hell yeah. of sexual tension. Um, so at one point, they're just like, fuck this. And they just start like just having sex. Like literally, they were like, girl, the cookie's gonna be burnt, girl. Like, <laughs> this is what it is. Right. But um, it was very like affirming sex. You know, it, yes. it was beautifully written too. I was like, oh, absolutely. this is both steamy, but also affirming, but also beautiful. I was like, wow, this is you know great no it was it was Good really job. really beautiful and i was like wow yeah. this is this is this is art my god okay yeah. so yes intentional yeah so they have this scene it's really really cute um in a separate like after this miel um with Araceli in this like subplot like conquers her fear of pumpkins kind of um, right we were all like happened. did we need this plot and the world was like sure and we're like <laughs> okay <laughs> Like, like, uh, like that wasn't like the most top of mind thing to happen next, but it happened. So we're yeah. here. We love to see it. Um, meanwhile, so Sam used to work on the bo- well. Sam works on the Bonner farm, but was actually like, y'all got me fucked up. Y'all got me mm-hmm. full circle fucked up. So get the fuck. So he quits. 
He does. So while quitting, um, I guess Peyton and him have a conversation and Peyton admits that like, you know, back in the day when they first met Miel, there was like a scene where like Peyton walked up with the Bonner sisters and had a pumpkin and Miel, you know, was afraid of pumpkins. And by the way, like, her fear of pumpkin, I believe her mom stuffed her in a pumpkin. Yeah, so that's her why. fear of pumpkin is not like you're not just like, you know. I'm not. She's not just afraid of pumpkins. So right. sorry. I just wanted to clarify. Oh yeah, yeah. It comes. It, def- it comes from a specific traumatic moment mm-hmm. in, in in her life. Um. So basically, um, Peyton was like, yeah, like when I walked up to her all those years ago, I wanted to like she like Peyton. That was basically Peyton's like toy. Honestly, like she had this like glass pumpkin that she like loved, and so she wanted like Miel to like you know feel comfortable by it and all that. But then Miel was like terrified, and she was like, oh well, fuck. And Sam was like, wait, Peyton, do you like have a conscience? And she's like. I don't like to talk about don't it. Be, yes. Don't be asking me questions. Like, <laughs> like did that say something to you? And then Sam like <laughs> flips the page back and is like, actually, you you did. Um, here's the receipts right here, but okay, sis. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you be easy. I'm out. So Sam leaves. Meanwhile, there's like this whole pumpkin river festival where like, I guess motherfuckers take pumpkins and float them down the river. Um, this which Miel used really to- really likes its pumpkins. Yeah, they Sorry. like love pumpkins in this town. I don't know what's going on. Miel also, needless to say, hated this shit. She was like, why, mm. like of all the sh- of all the things that you could put in a river and you got to do pumpkins, like honestly. <laughs> um, like, like It's like y'all just saw my past and just like, we're like how can we trigger what about Miel? lanterns? Basically. Anything. Like, what anyway. are we doing? Um, but I will say, they actually, I think they do actually put lanterns in the pumpkins. Like they like cut the pumpkins yes they, they like, do yeah, it's, like, it's like a little like lantern thing it's like it's, it's like cute it's, it's cute like, yeah yeah it's so, actually adorable anyway so Miel goes and while there just i guess gets really triggered and like a lot's going on so she ends up at one point running into the river and starts to like take the tops off the pumpkins because again people would take they would like you know cut off the tops put the lanterns inside and then you know put the tops back on and so Miel, i guess you know she had this flashback of like her being stuffed in this pumpkin and she was like trying to just let like just opening mm-hmm. up the pumpkins basically to make sure just, like, no one's in there it's a exactly response, just having yeah. like a traumatic response so our selling and sam are like fuck and so they run in and they try to like you know like calm her down like just sort of like bring her back and in that moment she looks at rsl and she's like rsl you are you are related to me you are my actual sibling it looks at like sam and it's like and you knew the sam and i'm like okay so i don't know what mm. me else <laughs> I, don't I don't know what her social like perception be like but to gather all of that in two seconds like amidst all of this i was like <laughs> mio you really just clocked literally that was the biggest gag of the book and you you got it in three seconds so mm. she runs off hating both of them because she's like arcelli how are you gonna sit here and be my whole ass sibling have me thinking that i literally lost everybody and be like like how you just not gonna tell me this shit and then also sam how the fuck are you gonna know this and not tell me so there's beef again mm. um so in so after all this happens, Sam is like distraught, and so you know he starts painting moons and like making moons the way he always used to because you know Miel really liked that. And so during this, we kind of just really get to see more about like Sam's backstory and like kind mm. of his relationship with the, with Yasmin, his mother. And so the two of them get to talking, and we come to find out that essentially Sam's dad was like, I guess there's some sort of arrangement where like Yasmin, Yasmin just wanted to be pregnant. She was like, mm-hmm. I just want to have a child. That's just the situation here, and so who i guess who's like the the person that is sam's biological father like the intention was never like oh like we're gonna be like a family that like raises sam together it's like you can be pregnant sam's father needed a green card so it was kind of like i will trade you sperm for a green card and no shade on that by the way no one's oh yeah absolutely yeah definitely not um and it was definitely yeah it was a situation where it was kind of like we'll just do this exchange real quick um and i'll have a child and we'll just be on our way Mm -hmm. and to Sam, it was kind of like, wow, like you really, 
you wanted me this bad. Like, you wanted me so badly that you did all of that. And Yasmin was like, yeah, I did. And Sam's like, that's wild. Um, also, I'm trans. And then Yasmin was like, yeah, that's, we love to see it. That's great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously there's a conversation to be had about like, you know, what your process of transition will be like and all of that. We can have a whole conversation, but just know that like, I'm here for you and I love you. Like, it's mm-hmm. fine. And Sam was like, damn, like, thank you. I think there was a really beautiful line where Yasmin basically says people should know what they want. And it, it was very much like, you know, like this is part of life is, you know, deciding. Like I decided I wanted a child and your father decided, you right. know, what he wanted. And I, I thought that was really, it was very immigrant narrative for some, mm-hmm. your parents to be like, bet, glad you decided what you wanted in life. It's <laughs> <laughs> basically how immigrant parents show love. <laughs> pretty, yeah. I was like, and they're like the now, right. And I feel like Yasmin continued to like do whatever chore she was doing, <laughs> but <laughs> proceeded to be like, Sam, can you also grab that thing I need? You know, like right. that is very immigrant love. But like you were okay. actually not exempt from right. household labor. <laughs> um, I'm going to need like, back to what cool, we were doing back earlier. to, back to the, the, to our regularly scheduled program. Right, basically. right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so next, Araceli sits down with Miel, who ran away and then came back, and tells her about a little bit of background on mm-hmm. more of what happened. And she explains that their whole family comes from Carinderas, and their relatives were able to cure joints, bring down fevers, drive away nightmares. I'm like, damn, y'all had a whole, yeah. you know, like recipe book. Like, you know, Pretty you got to eat. much. Mm. But this was only on their dad's side. So on their mom's side, that wasn't the history. And they hadn't had the roses grow out of the wrist for like 100 years. And apparently the mm-hmm. last time it happened with their great, great aunt, you know, she killed her whole family. Um, yeah. So that was a little rough. So the dad was like super worried because he was like, you know, the last time this happened, you know, <laughs> there was a, a family murder. Um, so it yeah. kind of gives like some credence to the to the myth curse. It, obviously, it's not true. I'm sure we don't know what was happening with the great great aunt. Um, but, you know, it, the story gets passed down. So he right. tries to burn her wrist to stop the roses from growing. Again, I, I was reading this book and Akko was like, why? Maybe we should see a doctor. Have yeah, we considered I, I, anyone? I, <laughs> I don't know. I've thought about it. And anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah. the mom's like, okay, we can't. This is this is too much. We're not doing this. And the the parents separate. Now, mm-hmm. her mom still wanted her to cure her of the roses, just not in a way that was highly traumatic. Although I, I guess putting her in a pumpkin wasn't, I mean, it's less than burning her wrist, but like not. I mean, like, is it? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Right, right. So I'm just kind of like, you guys are, everyone's kind of doing a lot here. Um. Anyway, yeah. so, and I, well, to be fair, she does talk to like the people in the town and they give her some bad advice. <laughs> so, oh, horrible. Like didn't try, <laughs> like, but, so anyway, so and anyway, Miel is a teenager and so she blames herself for everything, which is not what Araceli was saying at all. But, you know, you're a teenager and that's, you just feel that way about things. So, yeah. Finally, Miel decides to stand up to Ivy and she's like, look, you know things about me. I know things about you. Why don't we call it a stalemate? And Ivy uh, and her sisters are so afraid of losing power and not getting the roses and like, you know, in the last ditch effort of disparity, they pull the roses out of out of um, Miel's wrist, which yikes, guys, yikes. And of course, there's a lot of blood. And I was like, yeah, <clears throat> So, yikes. 
Because um, they kind of liken the rose to like an artery, just to like kind of put it. Yeah, in yeah. So, which it's uh, it's even yeah, making my wrist just, hurt. It makes me it like I, I like it makes yeah. me lightheaded. I like I have to <laughs> have to think about something else. Um. Yeah. So anyway, meanwhile, Aracely finds Sam and is like, "We need to find Miel because I I feel we, we're vibing, and I feel like something's wrong with her." So the crew, Yasmin, Sam's mom, and Sam himself, and Araceli, they like squat up and they go look for mm-hmm. Miel. And Sam finds her basically bleeding out because of the blood loss. And she grasps onto his wrist and won't let go. And she's hanging on by a thread. And luckily, Sam is supporting her. And the intimacy between them leads a rose to to shoot look at this magical don't fight me out this is magical realism so the rose like comes out of her skin and then pricks sam then takes sam's blood did anyone check if they were blood compatible no but you know what it's magic so let's just don't do this in real life but you won't this circumstance will never come up anyway so (laughs) there's a 100 percent chance that this will not happen (laughs) right so So that works you know the love and the blood transfer it all works and meal is back (laughs) in the game. She's alive and well, and everyone is happy. Meanwhile, these Bonner sisters just apparate again out of nowhere. They're like, do, 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 and they like show up. And I, I don't really, I don't know how they keep appearing. I don't even understand what this woods is. Like, where is this forest? And why how is there big a is coffin? it? How big is the forest? Facts. How many trees? What are we doing? <laughs> like, why is there a coffin? Anyway, um, so Miel's like, look, Sam, y'all might want to bounce because I'm about to throw hands. These girls are about to catch these fists. And Ooh, come on. Sam's like, what is happening? And then Miel's like, they know what gender you were assigned at birth and they're going to tell everyone. And then Sam's like, well, I mean, I'm a boy, so fight me. And um, Miel's like, yeah. And by the way, I don't care if you have that secret about my mom not loving me, which was literally a subplot from part one that you can read about, but I'm just going to tell you now it was a subplot. (laughs) Um, Oh, they were like, we know that your mom didn't love you. And she's like, my mom did love me. And I'm like, how are they going to weaponize that against you anyway? Does anyone know your mom? Anyway. Right, like literally no one knows your mom. Yeah, it's true. But <laughs> but but while they are becoming and saying their truth, the coffin begins to shatter. And then Peyton's mm-hmm. like, actually, I have a truth. I actually love girls. And then Leon's like, I'm not dumb. And if you want to know what a real subplot was, it was that <laughs> Leon was dumb. <laughs> That was somewhere in the story. Leanne, okay, real, <laughs> real quick. When Leanne had the odd, the temerity to be like, and I'm smarter than y'all think, and then the like the coffin started to shatter. I was like, okay, hold up. What was Leanne even getting Le- out of like, this? We we you were barely mentioned. Honestly, yeah. I, y'all might as well have had three bottle sisters. I was like, this is right. not a secret. <laughs> this is not a truth. It's like. I'm smarter than y'all think. I'm like, that is not on the same level as like everyone. The rest like, of the story, Leanne just anyway. Leanne just wanted to be there. Like, right. anyway. Ugh. So then Chloe was like, <laughs> and you know, she says her daughter's name, which is Clara. And each time they say they choose the, the coffin shatters more and more. So it shows that, you know, this coffin is a metaphor for lies and secrets and the power of them. Right. Um, so anyway, everyone looks to Ivy, who everyone's like, Ivy, do you have a secret? And it turns out that she is sad because ever since um chloe went away that the, it's kind of been like a the power of the boner sisters has been lessened you know and, and she doesn't right. have an identity outside of being the boner sisters you know that was kind of her identity and you know there's probably a tragedy there of like losing your sisters and aging and and all mm. that um so she's like i just desperately wanted to hold on to this so i could hold on to this you know us that existed this way of being um there's probably a deeper metaphor too about like where 
the anxiety in society about race and homophobia comes from, and it usually is this desire to keep things the way they have been, and this yeah. fear that without it, you won't be anything at all. Mm. Anyway, Ivy and Miel trade hair or something, and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, literally trade bundles, it's like, what yeah, the fuck? <laughs> I guess, and um, the coffin shatters completely, and the shards go into the sky, and the, the pumpkins also shatter, so yeah, I guess they played an increased <laughs> role in that they shattered the glass pumpkins and ivy kind of apologizes but everyone's like uh sure and then meanwhile sam is like no my name's samir like no ambiguity right so the book ends with sam and meow reconnecting in the space between their houses and like sam has all his moons up and um he's wearing no binding he's just outside and mm-hmm. he's kind of basking in the moment in himself and his his body and being like, this is who I am. I am this person. Mm. This is what my body looks like. And I'm this person. And I go by these pronouns. Mm. And everyone's like, yay, Sam. Okay, so that is the end of <laughs> the book. I and feel like- everyone said, yay, Sam, exclamation point. We're done. <laughs> the end. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the story. Um, it's very beautiful. And we're going to talk more about it in... <laughs> everyone's like Akka where is the enthusiasm I am excited I swear <laughs> they're like did you also not sleep um, no I'm awake but so we're just gonna push forward and transition <laughs> okay see y'all in a bit yeah Okay, we're back. And woo. are. Woo. And are. Oh, <laughs> your woos are so melodious. Thanks. <laughs> I love them. Um, I feel like my life is just me hyping up Marcy. I'm just like, I just love Marcy. <laughs> no, I like, I, thank you. I really, I really, I, we love the affirmation. Thank you so much. <laughs> love you too, boo. Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of love and other important things, we really like this book. So I can give my thoughts first. Um, yes. I don't actually tend to like YA novels I just don't tend to like them or romance novels because Mm -hmm. it's really not my it's just not the space I sit in at the moment like understanding that in the future I might sit in a different space but I I Mm -hmm. tend not to care too much but I really like this book and one I think it's just really poetically written and really beautiful two I think um, it's very intentional with its word use and it's very well written <laughs> right like yeah i guess i could start talking about the economy of words again but you know, <laughs> whatever <laughs> put out a shirt or something anyway um but no the the writer is very intentional with their word choice they're very um poetic with it and they're just writing a story that we don't have a lot of and so i love that mm-hmm. that it exists and that's been written i will say i i hate to bring up the wedding date because there are very few parallels between this and the wedding date <laughs> for better honestly for better (laughs) but i i will say i did say something in that podcast episode about if this if this narrative makes sense to your masculinity and femininity bet 
Mm -hmm. because there are so few trans stories if this story doesn't fit you and you're like oh but this is the only representation of me i see i don't want you to think that this narrative is the only one right like this is a very beautiful romantic story um it's in in the same way that like if i watch a rom-com and i'm like i don't relate to this like it it shouldn't mean Mm -hmm. that i'm any less you know my identity so so if you read this and you're like yeah this is really cute but i don't really see myself in it i do have a trans identity and that's fine you know i mean just just know that that story doesn't have to be your story this is just one of many stories all right exactly a planet and a solar system not the sun okay so um but that being the case this is a really beautiful story and it's really lovely and i like that sam has mentors and i like that araceli is there Mm. and they have that relationship i like that he has a, a masculinity that I don't think is toxic. I think he comes to terms with himself and the way he treats others and, and the way he um, expresses his masculinity is very healthy. I got a couple slip outs. Maybe he tries to throw hands at a party or something, but you know, whatever. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> he did put the business on that kid in the, well, in the hallway. I mean, and I was sometimes, like, I mean, well, who knows? Maybe sometimes you got to throw hands. We got questions. Anyway, sorry, I mean, violence honestly, is not the answer. Violence is not the answer. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I literally was about to be like, yeah, like, that's fair. And you're just like, you're like, actually, please don't do that. Like, please don't, like, do, commit assault. Like, I don't know. Um, but I mean, I feel like he did have some sharp words. So sometimes, anyway, whatever. The, we can argue the finer points of, of fighting kids in your school. But um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not saints on the podcast. But but I do think for the most part, the way he treats his mother, the way he treats Miel, the way they discuss things um, is a masculinity that I think is really healthy. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like that, that that was represented. Yeah. Yeah. I do think... Um, I don't love when people run around, run from each other in a moment when they need to communicate. Mm. Like I, I just, I really can't. I'm very tired, and I'm like, I, and I'm like, <laughs> well, maybe it's because you're an adult, and you know. And I'm like, but as a teenager, I wasn't running away from people. You know what I mean? I just feel like it's mm. a trope. We just like let's stand. They're like, something's been revealed. I'm gonna run away, and you're like, have mm. you, have you considered not? Also, for Miel, I was a little annoyed because I was like, Miel, don't you have like five secrets right now that you're not telling Iris, Elliot, and Sam? Like the fact that the Boner sisters put you in a coffee (laughs) (laughs) and that like they're threatening Sam. Like wouldn't you also have secrets? So it's not, you know, we got secrets both ways. I mean, those are, those aren't things that are particular to the story. Um, Mm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I echo literally pretty much everything you just said when i tell you i y'all i loved this book i truly loved this book like i remember putting it down and being like just like beside myself with emotion like i was like this book Mm. is so damn beautiful from like the way it's written to the characters and exactly the character dynamics that you're describing like sam's healthy masculinity sam at the end like coming to be like yeah actually run my full name call me like my name is samir like like reckon like understanding who he is as a trans person but also as a pakistani person like understanding like the trans mentorship throughout the book with him and araceli the allyship that yasmin and miel demonstrated throughout the entire book like there was just so many what i love about this book so much is that there were just so many models of ways to just live with love and to interact with those around you right love and like i feel like I feel like one of the best modes of education is just modeling a way to behave and a way to exist. Right. And like really demonstrating like, oh yeah, like this is, we we can live like this. Like there's nothing innate about the way that our, our social dynamics right. are currently set up. And I just, I loved the representation in this book. I love the way that people carry themselves. And even at that, like the height of conflict, like, you know, Mio never, you know, 
said nothing wild about Sam, like, you know, vice versa. Mm-hmm, like, it was mm-hmm. always, like, there was, like, a baseline respect that was held between, well, Bonnet is absolutely not. But the, the, that main four, RSL, Well, Yasmin, I mean, they were flawed, but they did have, even they, I mean, Peyton did come in and was, like, you know, fair. that guy said something racist about his mom, which was a lie. He, that's not what happened. But, but pretty much, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so, right, it, like. <laughs> yeah, although they did, they were going to, you know, misname him, so. So it was just one of those things where I was like, I just love how like even in times of conflict, even when you don't agree and whatever, whatever, between mm-hmm. at the very least, like, you know, RSL, Yasmin, Miel, and Sam, there was just like a respect that was just never like right. discarded. Like they always yep. based on they were like, I'm gonna respect you even if I'd like am annoyed as fuck at your presence mm-hmm. right now. And, and I just I think yeah. Marcy, sorry, going. I'm sorry, that's actually the I really, 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 really like that point that you're making because mm-hmm. they're like, you liked it enough to cut him off. And I'm like, I guess so. <laughs> 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 if I shade myself, the audience doesn't have to. Um, but the reason I really like that point is because I do think that a lot of times, I don't know if this is America specific. I don't know if it's white America specific. I don't know what's the world. But mm-hmm. I do think there's a lot of times where people are like, well, you know what? I can say I said that, but it was because I was mad. And you're like, OK, right. Jimmy, John, Susan, uh, you know, Jacob, Moesha, whoever you, you being mad it is not like, I guess I can say whatever. Right. <laughs> like that's not Never that, you know, like and <laughs> I think people do excuse like, oh, yeah, I mean, I was super disrespectful that I like, cut down to the core of you. But that's because I was angry. And you're like, yeah, yeah. When you start using slurs, calling people the wrong pronouns, the wrong names, because you're upset, you've yeah. crossed the line. And exactly what you're saying, you can have intense moments of disagreement and anger, and you might do the wrong thing. Like, does Miel slap Sam in the face when they, like, pulled out of the river? Yes. Was that wrong? Yes. That mm-hmm. kind of wrong and the I don't respect who you said you are wrong, two different types of wrong. Don't slap exactly. people in the face, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was like, Miel, like, don't do that. But, you know, like... But yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And it's and I think that that's something that people would say a lot. And like they're like, mm-hmm. you know, they'll be like, oh, well, like, you know, I was just mad. And it's like when you're really angry, uh, like it should not go to uh, like it's like how how for how long were you harboring these slurs? <laughs> like, how, right, like exactly. how, why was it so easy for you to like to move into the space mm-hmm. of like this specific form of like 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 to call me something like this? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I feel like that's not something that you would even feel that the urge to do if you truly respected and loved someone you know what i mean so or it's like in in you know in the moments of anger and in the moments your character isn't what you do when you're in your best possible place right, right. that's not what your character is your character is what you do in the moment of weakness uh, right. so if you reach for slurs and things in the moment of weakness that's what oppression is it's power that you get when you feel weak so just remember that mm-hmm. um, put it on a shirt damn um, up there with economy of words look at that yeah. okay, sorry Marcy, March y'all um, <laughs> we have yeah, that but sorry to, <laughs> yeah, just to, to I guess like you know that, that, that's essentially how I feel about, about the book in terms of overall thoughts I thought the transgender representation was literally amazing and I was just like just the normalization, I was like, I'm extremely happy this book exists. I will say, this is something that, um, I, I guess we can kind of segue into this point. Something that I really liked, speaking of the transgender representation, was that I loved Sam, or I, sorry, I should say Samir. Samir's relationship with Samira, which was the name that he was given at birth. Um, and kind of just how he described, like, sort of like that like tension of like kind of existing in the world as Samir and being understood in this way, but also acknowledging that like in the past, like people understood him as Samir. People saw him in this way. And like how it's like, there was definitely 
like there was an acknowledgement that like Samir wasn't Samira, like they were not the same, but like there wasn't like this vitriol towards mm-hmm. how he was previously read in society. It was kind of like a, this is how people saw me. It's just that's just not who I am. I can't be that person. I never was mm-hmm. that person. But like I don't hate that person. And I feel like I have literally like I shit you not. I feel like I've never seen that. In yeah. any form of media. I well, like the I, there narrative- was a, someone did a poem about that, actually. Uh, I think really? they were also South Asian. They might have been, yes. Um, I can't remember where the poem is. Maybe I'll mm-hmm. try to find it and put it in the footnotes. But I, oh, yes. I have heard a similar conversation. Um, and the person was like, similarly to this book, was like, you know, that is a person who I respect and love, but that person is not me. Mm. Um, and I think that's a very healthy Yes. way of looking at masculinity because then if you're not a lot of toxic masculinity is a hatred of femininity you know mm-hmm. and and so he you can be samir without hating samir you know what i mean like that's, basically yes yeah exactly and and I, and I feel like that's sort of that that nuance of capturing like yeah like this is like i don't hate samira i'm just not her like mm-hmm. she's someone else but i'm i'm samir and that like this is this is where i exist and i just feel like that was so beautiful because I, I feel like i'm so used to the narrative of like it's like, oh, that person in the past is dead. Like, you know, like, and like, I'm not, I'm not policing. Let, let us be clear. I'm not policing anyone's yeah. relationship with like their bodies or like how they navigate transition anything like that. But I think it, it was just, it, it was really interesting to see a difference in kind of how people, um, I guess, understood how they were read previously and like kind of just like that relationship with that, um, you know, with that, I, with that previous self. And, and I think when people say, you know, something is dead to them too, that could also be, healthy in the sense that you're like i'm just that door is shut um so there's a lot of ways to conceptualize you know but i do think there's a truth behind you just can't run from yourself and yeah. i think araceli says that true like it's just running from yourself is just never gonna and then when sam tries to take out this the the love sickness it's another form of running exactly and it's like and it, it's i like the idea of being like i can both acknowledge and respect and even love Samira without being threatened that I would become mm, her or that I am now threatened. her. Like I think, and I feel like that was just so beautiful. And I will also say that closing scene with like Miel and Samir when like he came outside and like wasn't wearing his binder and they just kind of had this moment of like, just like being next to one another and just like appreciating like, you know, their bodies and all of that. I just, it was so beautiful to see a young trans person like early in transition, but like really appreciating his body at the same time and understanding that like nothing about his body took away from who he was. It was just, I was so yeah, it was moved. Beautiful. It was just, Oh my God. I literally, it, it was just yeah. so beautiful. I was like, I, I'm so happy this book exists. My God. I'm like, cause like we need, we need this visibility. We need this kind of representation of people being able to like, be literally in transition but also still love who they are at the same time i just feel like it's just so it it, it was just very beautiful to me and i just yeah i i was like and it's a rejection of social (sighs) norms like yeah it's like look i am who i say i am like you don't decide who i am i've told you um right so yeah (sighs) i just yeah yeah and i'm sure people were like are there other reasons why you like and i'm like look y'all like i'm (laughs) I'm fully me the entire time. Like these reasons are reasons that like, I mean, obviously there are other elements to the book that I like as well, but like, wait, I mean, do we need to have more reasons? <laughs> I don't understand. Aren't our reasons legit? That's no, they are. They are. Oh, okay. I just, yeah, like it's, it's, it's not to say that like, you know, I, Oh, you're right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I don't understand. Yeah. Like this is, so this is a beautiful romance story about yeah. a trans kid. And 
I don't know. There's, I don't think there needs to be another reason. <laughs> Definitely. It is absolutely. also beautifully written. That's also true. I mean, I guess if it was poorly written, we'd have to talk about that, but it's not. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, right. Um, right. I just, sorry. I, let me, let me go back and say, revise what I said. I guess more so it's like, there are other reasons that I like this book, but the ones that were already listed, those are the only reasons that I liked it. That is also in its, in, in, in its totality legit, you know? Mm, so mm, yes, mm, I feel that. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to say though, I do wish they had communicated Sam and Mio more that's a word um, like because <laughs> sometimes i was like y'all need to just sit down and and talk also like to your point earlier when when miel was like arcelli you're my sibling and sam you knew i was like okay i don't think that's how that works i actually do think everyone <laughs> needs to say the words <laughs> i was like you can't solve issues by not talking so but I, I do think this is kind of a thing in teen novels in general is that um there's like this famous scene in twilight where like uh, Bella looks at Edward and then she like walks off stage and then Edward like knows to follow her and I was just like you see this is I don't know maybe I'm like <laughs> not good at subtext <laughs> like maybe unlike Sam I can't read between the lines but uh, I was like how would how would Edward know to follow you like and how, what did that uh, eye contact community anyway my point is teenage books <laughs> like to do this a lot where people just know things <laughs> And adult, I don't think that's true, y'all. <laughs> so I do wish there were more mm. scenes of them, like, actually talking. And I also, this is, again, another team. You see, Akko really, she, they're like, so you like dragons, but you can't understand people communicating with their eyes? All right, yeah, fine, <laughs> fair. But um, I, I do think I wish there was more to the story than the the saving each other narrative. Sometimes I get a little worried when teenagers are like oh i saved them and they saved me and we saved each other and you're like okay yeah sam did come get you out of the coffin i don't know how sam got you out of the coffin because he didn't know where the coffin was that was also unclear because wasn't there a key i maybe maybe there was (laughs) you know i just didn't ask questions i was like you know what sam got her out okay moving there we go but i (laughs) right flip page but um (laughs) i i do think uh, I do think, and maybe you know what? Fine for teenagers, the the epic and the the you know the the yes, that kind of intensity is important. So I'm not gonna. Everyone's like, Akko is old and but no, <laughs> but I I do think sometimes I'm like love and these things they aren't about the intense and they're not about saving each other sometimes it's just about being around mm. and loving each other. But you know what? That's me and my no, that's real because I mean the saving each other piece could easily. Like that can easily skew a power balance, you know, like it's it, and like, I don't think it like, you know, this book got into like all those weeds, but like, you know, this whole thing of like, oh, we saved each other. It kind of, I don't know. I feel like it might lead to this like kind of indebtedness that kind of is like, I'm like, just be with each other, you know? Yeah. That's, that's maybe fine. a dramaticness that doesn't, uh, things aren't sustainable because they're dramatic. Um, that's not why Oof, say that, it's like actually. the every, it's the everyday sort of communication between people that allows um like long-term relationships and that's across the board romantic or otherwise but anyway absolutely absolutely yeah i will say so i guess going to like you know uh one of the discussion (laughs) points so i know okay some of the bonner sisters Mm -hmm. i know we did this whole thing where they're like uh, i like girls i'm smarter than y'all think my baby's name is this like i know we did that and i was like to redeem them in a way to like make them vulnerable as well and like all of that and ivy like kind of apologized but you know that's ivy like you know this is the best we could expect ivy bonner almost killed me 
Yeah. And I feel like that wasn't really fully reconciled. Like, mm. Miel literally would have died <laughs> if Sam had not showed up and, like, this blood thing t- had taken... Like, mm. you almost killed her, bro. Like, that's not... I, I, like, I'm not... Okay. I'm here for a redemption arc. I am. I am. But I'm like... I mean, was there a redemption arc? Like, just saying, oh, like, I had nothing to... like. I'm nothing without my, without my sisters, like, does not a redemption make? Like, yeah. you barely apologizing does not an apology make. Like, that's not... Well, the thing is, an explanation is not a mitigation, right? Like Exactly. Um, explaining why you did something doesn't necessarily mitigate what happened. Uh, I think this is particularly true for Ivy's situation. Because, yes, okay, you want to keep, you know, the dynamics that you've had in the town and you're afraid of losing power cool. Sorry, <laughs> you were going to out Sam and make his life incre- like objectively less good than it is now. Mm-hmm. You pulled out um, this basically veins from Miel's writ. I mean, you, that's not... <laughs> like the not levels it. of violence right. for the payoff, where is it? Where it's is the payoff? Where is it? And because, I think, like... Yeah. And I think that's yeah. actually true a lot about when you... There's something true in that... When you get to why people are enacting violence, a lot of times you get the answer for it and you're like, that's a very bad reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a good enough reason for your behavior. Um, and sometimes even just saying that, like, that's not a good enough reason for what you did is is there's there's truth behind that. There's that come on, Ivy. That's not a I understand your feelings. And and that's what it is, right? She can't go up against her parents who banished her sister. She can't go mm-hmm. up against the town who has like, you know, there's a of female fragility element to this right that's quite toxic and um restrictive to these girls right like the town is sexist and holds these girls up on a pedestal and that's the dichotomy of like you know these white girls who get whatever they want as long as they act in the way they're told to by society juxtaposed Mm. against you know these brown and black kids who um don't get what they want um but in not having that social clout can be more of themselves whatever Mm. So there is social restriction there, and that is not great. But you shouldn't be fighting the people who have less power than you. If you have an issue, you should go against the people who are restricting you in the manner that they are. But, I mean, that's the truth in the real world. That's not what people do. People tend to go after the person with less power. Exactly. And just, and yeah, like, it was just like the degree of violence is just so absurd like just so obscene for like the payoff of what just like some relative clout i guess you know like it was just right. very like what the fuck like what what the fuck like yeah. and as Mia points out she's like my roses don't even do that you know and it's yeah. true like when we think about you know a lot of the politics of things like you think the, the problem you know with your job loss isn't immigrants so you right. creating a border isn't gonna stop your loss of job like that's exactly. a fantasy it's a wishful thinking it's a last ditch attempt right um, the ways that we just try to morph you know the biases the oppression the forms of mm-hmm. oppression that exist to somehow like codify them in a way that's real like codify yeah. them in a way that seems to to quote solve the world's problems and it's like this was a fallacy from beginning to end from the perspective that you approach this with and to the result of what you've just done like yep. none of it made sense at all so yep. what <laughs> like i just yeah. yeah so that was something that i was like i i, I mean to wish, be fair sorry right i do wish that they there needed to be more of a redemption arc yeah or something yeah. 
I feel like it was a little accelerated. To be fair, it wasn't like at the end, Miel was like, yeah, me and Ivy are like besties. Like, absolutely not. Like, there, mm. it was very much like, okay, like, y'all keep your distance. Like, I'm not. <laughs> like, y'all just stay over there kind of thing. But I think the the energy was more like, okay, like, we've kind of reached a point of reconciliation. We'll, like, slightly start mending this maybe or maybe we'll just like not have a relationship at all and like whatever you know like yeah. but it just seemed like there was no accountability for what she did that i was kind of like that's interesting like, yeah. i feel like there's no no one really acknowledged that they were like miel you literally almost died. like i was i was weak i was like bro like yeah. you almost died like huh like oh my god anyway so i was like you know again i think it just goes back to like you know redemption arcs are cute but you know they actually have to yeah, and sometimes they don't. That's like, facts. And sometimes yeah. they don't happen, to be honest with you. And that's, yeah, and sometimes, like, honestly, it's also okay. Like, sometimes you, maybe you just don't redeem a character. Like, that's mm. also fine to be like, you know, some, like, we don't have to necessarily put in all that. Um, I will say, I also, I just finished watching um, She Run the Princesses of Power. And then, ooh, that's a, this is a spoiler. I'll, spoiler. Okay, so I'll just, I'll, okay, this is like, I'll, I'll like, dance around it but there's a character well name who but there's a character that goes through, through this like major redemption arc in the last season and the way that was done i was like oh see y'all like you did this in a realistic manner it's not like there was like a over the, like overnight character shift like the character was still flawed throughout the process but like you were it was given time it was fleshed out they were allowed to make mistakes but they came back it was very like y'all like made this a thing but here it just kind of was like it felt like maybe the beginning of one so you know which sure. is fine, I yeah. guess. So. I guess, it, to be fair, the side characters weren't that significant in this story. This is like, fair. Leanne just still has no point. Um, yeah, like, Leanne, like, 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 girl, like, <laughs> like, you really go say, like, how would you, um, how did you, I'm sorry, like, how was one sixth of the coffin yours? I don't understand. I have no idea. But I how was... that made the cut. Um, <laughs> like, who, who wrote, like, what? <laughs> it's Leanne, true. What, like, who allowed this? Right, right. See, there, anyway, but I will say the coffin is, an, is a good metaphor for, you know, the way secrets in our society bind yes. us and the use of Absolutely. violence to keep a status quo. And violence looks a lot of different ways. Um, and that's the same thing with the pumpkin that, you know, from earlier that Mia was stuck in. So secrets yeah. are, there's a difference between keeping things to yourself and secrets. You know what I mean? Secrets mm. can be quite destructive. Exactly. Only difference between secrecy and privacy is shame. Oh, so, oh, oh eesh. there you go, Marcy. You know, put yeah. that on a shirt. All right, anyway. <laughs> all right. I don't have anything else to say. <laughs> this is good. Yeah, We're like fine. I'm done. Um, yeah. okay. Do you want to do, do our quotes? <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> um. All right. So my quote is from Araceli when she is talking to Sam in the car. And she says, you don't get to become who you are for nothing. It costs something. You're fighting for every little piece of yourself. And maybe I got all of me all at once, but I lost everything else. Don't you dare think there's any water in the world that can make this easy. I don't know if that's true of everyone in the world, but I do think that's true as a minority. And probably when your gender gender expression is not, is marginalized by society. um, Right. Holding on to yourself is just... Maybe actually it's true for everyone, actually, maybe to lesser degrees or into different degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to, to keep yourself, you do have to fight to keep, not like, you, I feel like fight is like a battle. It's not a battle. It's the thing I was saying about grit it, it, earlier. It, it's the mm. everyday choice to be who you, who you want to be or ought to be in the face of oppression. And there's nothing that will give you an easy Oh, easy way out of that. Actually, that's true for everyone. That's actually true for everyone. The only difference is for some people, kind of to Marcy's point earlier, you can have that lulled sense of comfort because society 
is like, well, if you do what we say, we'll give you all these like privileges. Um, but everyone, but I mean, even privileges are hollow after a while when it comes to yeah. like truly who you are. So I liked Araceli's point. That was a good quote. There you go, kids. Marcy, your turn. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, kids. Um, okay, so my quote is, I'm pretty sure this is like literally like the last I'm pretty sure this is like from the last page of the book, actually. Um, but it's basically when there's like that scene where um, Miel and Sam are like seeing one another and like Sam isn't wearing his binder. And like there's just a like kind of a moment of like peace. So it's kind of long. Yeah. It's but beautiful. here we go. Mm. Sorry. Let me let me like. OK. So it reads. She kept a little space between them enough to keep the warmth of his body from meeting hers. She was following rules they had never set in words, but that they'd held to. That, sorry, that there were that there were parts of him he did not want to be reminded of. But right now, he wanted to claim all of himself. When he got dressed for school, he'd put the binder back on before he put on anything else. He didn't want anyone looking at him and deciding for him what he was. Tonight, though, he wanted to feel every part of his own body. And no, it could not name him. It could not, it could not force him into a life that had never been his. If you're not ready, Miel said, he took her hand and set it on the edge of his shirt, letting her fingers grasp the hem. I am. And again, I read that and literally wind knocked out of me. I literally sat there and I'm just like, I'm really going to sit here and cry all over this damn library book that I know I have to return. Like, I know I have to return it. And I'm just going to sit here and damage this book like this. It's just... Again, the self-acceptance, the the under the, the the solid understanding of just who one is despite anything else is just so beautiful. And I just mm-hmm. it's just so beautiful, y'all. Read yeah. this damn book. Read yeah, other books read by this author. Like just do something. Shit. It's uh uh Okay. So It's true. Now I'm done yelling into the mic. <laughs> um I think we can close out. It's true. So. I just, also, you know, I don't know. I feel like I really want to say, like, however your transhood is, is good. I don't know. I'm, I want that to be said. Like, whether yeah. it's surgery or not surgery, whatever it is, is good. Okay. Yeah. So that's important to know. And also, to be fair, yeah, like this specific relationship that Samir has with his body, like, this does, this is, yeah, not to be held up as like, oh, gold standard. If you're not doing this, you're doing yes. it wrong. Like, yeah, no, none of that. Yes. It's just one of many. So, mm-hmm. yes. De- th- thank you for saying that because, yeah, just definitely want to put that in the space as well. Okay. So, I don't know. I, maybe you like listen to this episode and you're like, I have tons of thoughts and I'm going to get on the Twitter and say them. Well, you can add us at the color pages. <laughs> Or maybe you're like, I have a cute little picture that I want to put up and I want to add the colored pages on Instagram. Well, you know what? We are these colored pages on Instagram. Come on. Mm. Did you know that we also, Marcy, have a link tree? Yes, that tells- we do. <laughs> <laughs> on our social media. <laughs> it tells you what books we're reading. Um, and we have an email. Thesecoloredpages at gmail.com as well as a website. Mm. Yeah. Thesecoloredpages.com where you can see all sorts of things like who we collab with cute pictures of us they're not yeah. real pictures of us they're cartoons but they're there exactly like y'all never know what we look like but, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> 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 
<laughs> but yeah, you can also find just like all of our podcast episodes and just like all of those, all of those things. Um, and yeah, you know, if this episode brought you some love, some light, some delight in this mug and you want to share with somebody, you know, somebody who's like, you know what? This person needs to listen to this shit. Mm. Let them know. Share the episode. You know, get the word out. Also, if you want to leave us some love wherever you listen to this podcast, it could be Apple Podcasts or not. That's fine. It's cool. Whatever. <laughs> Feel free to leave us, you know, some like us, like like uh, like uh, like some stars and some comments or whatever, whatever makes you, whatever makes you for the most like you, because we appreciate it, we love to see it, and it definitely helps to get our show out there even more. But oh, and also Akko, what are we reading next time? Yeah, okay, so the next book is Akko's pick, which is Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and we're very excited. Um, it's very long, but we're excited so anyway. Long. <laughs> so long. <laughs> so long, my God. I was like, what is this, a cassette tape? I was like, should I put it in the machine? They're like, no, it's a book. You have to read it. And I was like, ah, interesting. All I'm right, like, anyway. should I hire someone to read this book for you? Like, Jesus Christ. Like, I'm like, can you read the first half and read the second? I'm like, I just like, fuck. It's like when you but do a report in school and you're like, all right, if you read chapters one through 10, I'll have <laughs> No, I used to dead ass do that shit. Like, I used to be like, girl, okay, we tag team, we can make this work. We can, can like, make co- it work? like, we could, but then it also, looking back, I was like, wait. If I read chapters 1 through 10, mm-hmm. and someone only read chapters 11 through 16, mm-hmm. they're not going to know what nope. happened. Yep. That's not going to... Yet work. it made sense. It made, And I did it. I would read mm-hmm. literally the middle of a book and be like, yeah, I know what happened, who these people are, but this will happen. And then we would just... That's some high school logic. <sighs> but here we are. We made it. Here we are we made future, it. So. No, I'm dead. Yes. Uh, yes. But anyway, Akko, are there anything, any other things we should leave our <laughs> listeners with before we head out? Not me poorly transitioning. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just think that until we see you next time, just remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.